0: Hey friends, welcome to Wild Confidence Podcast, where we help one another find, keep, and share our confidence in Christ. I'm your host, Ainsley B. It's an honor to bring you some inspiring conversations with amazing guests. Before we hear today's conversation, I want to kindly ask if you'd leave a five-star review and share this episode with a friend who might like it. I'd also love to connect on Instagram, so find me at Ainsley B. Okay, I can't wait anymore. Let's get to know our guest. A keynote speaker and two-time Paralympian, Joe Delagrave has seen his identity totally be crushed. Through a devastating boat accident ending in paralysis, Joe has learned to choose faith and choose to find the opportunities within the obstacles. He is a proud husband to April and proud father to Braxton, Brayden, and Brinley. Joe, welcome to Wild Confidence. How are you?
1: I am doing great. I'm so excited for the conversation today.
0: So am I. I really, really am. I was reading a little bit about your story and I'm already blown away. So I can't wait to hear it from you and everything that you have to say, because I'm just like, so excited. And I just have already seen evidence of like miracles in your life. And I don't even know you. We're just meeting for the first time.
1: (laughs) We are meeting for the first time. Yeah. Crazy, crazy circumstances, but all good. Yeah.
0: So well, you, you spent 89 days in the hospital when you were 19. Is that right?
1: I did. Yeah. 89 long, long days.
0: What Never happened? felt longer than
1: three months. Yeah. Tell let's us get, everything. Let's, get, let's dive right into it.
0: <laughs> we're going.
1: Yeah. Um, let's rip the bandaid off. There. So, so 89 days in the hospital and happened. Because in a blink of an eye, in a split second, my life changed. Um, to kind of give this context a little bit, I'm uh, well, maybe not. You know, I was laying in the hospital bed and I'm 19 years old and I've got a bunch of these different tubes coming out of my body uh, for whatever, you know, not like life support, but to keep me alive and uh, catheters and feeding to whatever, like the whole thing. And, and, um, and I'm laying there and I can't move um, barely can move my right arm. My left arm isn't working. My entire body isn't working. Um, and I remember having these questions swirling around in my head. i have been in the hospital for a couple of days and, and, uh, these questions swirl around as every 19 year old kid does. I think it's a really romantic time in life. Looking back, you, there's just so many choices that you get to make and you're dreaming and you're hanging out with your friends. What mm-hmm. are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What college are you going to and what the whole thing and, and and who you're dating and what kid, how many kids are you gonna have and where are you gonna live? And there's just so many thoughts um, and questions. And it's a very romantic time, like just to to, to think about that to really, um, we're really allowed Dreaming. to dream at yeah. that age, right? And then you start to have kids and you're like, life goes on. Like, it's not, it's not as <laughs> romantic. Sometimes it can be, it can be. I love my wife. I love my my, my life, the whole thing. But, but at that moment, those questions are amplified. I'm in the hospital bed and I'm praying to God, begging God, like wiggle a toe, move a leg, give me a sign, um, something, and and there's nothing. And these questions are, am I gonna find passion and purpose? Is this girl that I'm with uh, gonna stay with me? Am I gonna be able to have kids? Am I gonna be able to find where that beautiful passion and purpose intersect a align in people's lives? That's the sweet spot. Um, you know, what, what, what's going to happen with, with the state that I'm in. And it's just a crazy deal. I remember my mom and dad coming in, the doctors coming in saying, Joe, you've got to, uh, you know, after this accident that we'll get into, like, you've had a 3% chance to walk again. Mm. Like, your football career's over. You're probably not going to walk again. Um, and, and, and my mom is in the room as well. And she's, she's, uh, uh she's, ve- she's very blonde a beautiful woman, but very blonde and like uh, tall. And, and I was like back when I was in high school playing sports, I'm like, mom, I, I love that you cheer for me. Can you not cheer for me? Like in the, in the loudest pitch possible, like, can we tone that? <laughs> like that's my mom. So she's in the hospital room and she's asking my, my doctor uh, questions about what's going on. And one of the questions she asked, like the most embarrassing thing ever for a 19 year old kid laying in this house, she goes, you know, doc is I need grandkids. So, like, is my <gasps> is my son gonna <laughs> be able to have sex? And I'm like, would you would you get out of my room, please? Like, would you leave my life? Like, and and that's
0: oh and that's. Uh,
1: but those are the questions. Those are the, the 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 feeling of being in a hospital bed, not being able to move, right? trapped, searching for meaning and for a purpose in this, um, and and in being paralyzed.
0: That is insane. Like I can't imagine all of the questions that are going through your head on top of your mom's. I mean, that one had to go through your mind as well. (laughs)
1: 1000%. I I kicked her out and then I was like, doc, stay in here. Let's talk about this. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah.
0: Mom, how could you, but really, uh, what are we thinking?
1: Yeah. Great question. Great question. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, okay, so you're in there, you're having all of these things run through your head. How did it back up a, a, a little bit and tell me how you even got there? What happened? And Because uh, you were super athletic and involved in a ton of sports prior to <clears throat> this yeah. accident, yeah.
1: right? Yeah, now that we just, you know, bombarded everyone uh, with this with this story and accident, let's give it some context. It's the hook. Um, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so... so context is it, I grew up playing sports I grew up playing um, basketball football baseball everything that had to do with team environment uh, I I loved and and I think looking back I loved it because of uh, built-in affirmation and we can get into that later but like it, it, I loved being coached I loved getting provided with constructive criticism and and affirmation when I'm praised when I did things well um, and that was just something I truly truly desired like I was I was, uh, I did, I did the, I moved from like the jock over to the nerd, like that really solid boundary that you have in high school, that line of, are you a jock? Are you a nerd? Uh, and I was both, I I did, I did plays and musicals as well and sang in choir and, um, like Zach Afron had better abs than I did, but I mean basically like
0: that's... <laughs> same, same. No,
1: no, not at all. He did high school musical one, two, and three. I was pirate number seven in Pirates of the Dance. Like there's a little bit of a difference there, but, but I really seven. yeah. I mean, I wasn't pirate number eight, like it's pirate number seven, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, yeah, so there was there was a uh, there was just a a, a poll for me to be a part of a team. Um, uh, where do I fit in the puzzle? How can I be good as a role, role player, pirate number seven, or a captain of one of my sports teams or whatever it would be? Um, how can I be a part of it? And and so that was, that was like high school. And that was the big goal in high school is to be able to move it to college and, and be able to play a, a college sport. I had cousins that played division one football and really looked up to them growing up and really wanted to play something and was was good on the basketball court and football field and ended up going to Winona State University, which was a, a division two school uh, in Minnesota and, and played there as a tight end. And so my freshman year uh was great and, and played as a true freshman and was able to play throughout that year and and went to the playoffs and the whole thing. It was it was a great experience um mm-hmm. that I had. Uh, but my context of that story is as I was continuing on with my athletic career and it was going in a good direction, my relationship with God was 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 on the wayside. like I I felt so, um, uh, like the need for me to get that affirmation from my teammates, from uh, seniors and from my coaches and the whole thing. I just wanted to dive into that environment, even though some of it was unhealthy, even though it was like, all right, I'm going to do the whole party thing and do that whole deal. Um, I don't need to go to youth group. I don't need to find uh, FCA right now or athletes in action or crew or like the whole, any, like, I'm, I'm just going to be like, my football team is who I am. My identity is 1000% in being an athlete and being a football player.
0: Mm.
1: Um, And so to tie these two things together, I was back in my hometown of Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin, which is a a small little river town on the Mississippi River uh, that borders Iowa about 5,000 people and a beautiful area in the, where the Wisconsin river meets the Mississippi river and there's a bluffs and driftless region and, and uh, like a hunter and fishers paradise. I don't really do any of those well, but uh, but it's a beautiful area. And, and um, what you do on the, on the weekends is you go out boating, like you go on the river and and you, you know, whether you get a little flat bottom boat or a pontoon or a bass fishing boat, you, you go on the river. And, and so me and my buddies, uh, they were both back in, our hometown as well, just finished our freshman year, me at Winona State, my buddy, Kyle at Marquette, and then um, my other buddy, Adam, who we grew up on the same street, Ohio Street, in Prairie Sheen together. Um, so two best friends growing up. And uh, Adam, and I came back from St. Cloud State, Minnesota. And So we're all working, you know, summer jobs. I worked in parks and rec, uh, so I drove <laughs> a truck around. Checking the river levels and dumping chlorine in the water and and making fun of Kyle because Kyle had the weed whacking job for the whole summer, so he had like eight <laughs> hours of actual like hard labor while I just <laughs> drove went through and drove around. It was it was fantastic. <laughs> so just just uh, you know like like we said like at nineteen you're you're living life and you're dreaming and whatever. And Kyle Adam and I are on the boat on a Saturday. It's a warm summer sunny day, seventy five degrees, partly cloudy. Kyle's driving the boat, Adam's knee boarding. And I'm just chilling in the boat, um, sitting on one of the chairs that has a pole on it. And and as we're going along, Kyle, we're in a back slough of the Mississippi. And if you've never been the Mississippi, there's like the main channel. Um, and there's sometimes these back sloughs, especially where we were, where the Wisconsin River met. There's a lot of back sloughs, that it's much calmer uh, for knee boarding and things like that. So we were always back there, tuning around. And that day, Kyle hit the bottom of the river. You never know how deep or shallow the river is. I'm, I'm going. He hits the bottom of the river. Um, my chair breaks, the pole breaks on it, I fly backwards, hit my head on the front of the boat, inside the boat, and mm. and break my neck on impact at C6 and 7, which is 6 and 7 vertebrae down from the base of your skull. Mm-hmm. So in a split second, I went from six, six 260 pounds, tight end, living life, um, dreaming, to I'm in this boat, paralyzed. I wake up from being blacked out, and about 45 seconds later, and Kyle and Adam are over top of me, and, and we, had, we, had, we were lifeguards in high school growing up and never had to rescue anyone um, right. until this day. They So they knew not to move my head, knew not to move my body, but they asked me these questions to the, to the most out-of-body experience questions I had ever been asked in my life. They, they said, Joe, like, are you all right? And, and it's like that. And my head was excruciating from where I hit my head. Um, and I'm like, my head really, really hurts, guys. Like, I don't really know what happened, but can like do something to take the pain away. Like it was so, so painful on my head the most pain I've ever had um and, and and Adam goes Joe can you move your legs and so I I sent the signal from my brain down through my spinal cord into my nervous and and without even thinking about it just like I'm doing with my arms right now um right. That you can see Ainsley. and 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 you don't think about that stuff but I you send the signal and, and move your leg and nothing happens my leg doesn't move my other leg doesn't move and I'm going okay there's something wrong but in my mind, I'm going, okay, there's there's definitely something wrong. Maybe I broke a bone or broke whatever, like, but not to the extent of paralysis, not to the extent of permanency, not to the extent of my life's different and uh, things are going to be weighed. And and I remember Adam going, can you feel your leg? And, and I reached down and I felt my leg and it felt like I was touching someone else's leg, the most out of body experience. And I'm going like, okay something's wrong but again like had no idea they called you know 911 and rescue boat came out and got me on their boat into the ambulance into the local hospital the hospital's like you got to get med flighted and get up to uh, a bigger hospital to have surgery Mm -hmm. you've had what's called a spinal cord injury um and and you broke your neck and I'm going okay like you 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 don't even you're so numb to everything you're not even thinking if it's like a a permanent, permanent thing or not. And then, you know, the couple days later is, is that that's me in the hospital begging God to show me a sign to wiggle a toe, a movement, something. And that's when the thoughts are like, wow, maybe I'm really not going to play football again. Wow. Maybe I'm really not going to walk again. Um, What's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, how are we going to get through this? And And those questions just amplify my head.
0: And it's almost like you're you're not thinking about those things until that moment because at 19 you feel invincible, you know, and you're yeah. also just like that's nothing. It's not going to happen to me. Nothing. Like I'm an athlete. I'm I'm yeah. this. I'm that. I mean, my husband was a D1 athlete, and he still has that mindset sometimes where it's like, no, I can still go out and play like I did in college. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm like, you're still very good, my love. but
1: yeah, yeah,
0: but it is the sense of invincibility or like this uh, I don't know I mean, I think we all have it in coming to that realization that you're actually not invincible in that hospital bed with all these questions swirling around you. I can't imagine like I, I mean whoa
1: yeah, yeah it's it's uh it's interesting because, and and we all have our different stories and we all have different you know paths but I do think that you know for the listeners there's 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 moments in people's lives like maybe you don't have a story like mine that's crazy breaking your neck and you're in the hospital blah blah, blah and and we'll get into kind of like the swing of what happens after but,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but we all get a choice in these moments because life happens like you're you're your life moment has happened or will happen whether it's disease or whether it's um disability or divorce or depression like mental health that mm-hmm. overruns your brain and because and, and, those things are real um and we all get a choice in that moment to go what are we choosing here like we we can play the blame game for our circumstances and our obstacles, because they're there. Like every single circumstance and obstacle has that beautiful blame game that we can point to, and it's easy and it's lazy and it's. But it's it's the easy way out. We don't have mm-hmm. to kind of go through that and process through that. We don't really have to look in the mirror and take personal responsibility for what's going to happen next. We can just point it and I can go, Kyle. You know what? It was your fault. Because like like I wasn't driving the boat. Like no, oh, it's Kyle's fault. Right. And, and that's that. But if I just played that blame game, which I did a little bit in the hospital being real, sure, sure. Um, then I'm just going to be like, well, it's Kyle's fault and woe is me type of deal. And it ends up just being that victim mentality that um, can be crippling to us, pun intended. Uh-huh. Uh, no. <laughs> and, uh, but no, like it, 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 can, <laughs> it can absolutely cripple our ability to go, you know what, Like I'm going to take personal responsibility. I cannot control what just happened. Can control breaking my neck. I wasn't, I was just sitting on a boat.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: I'd done hundreds and hundreds of times.
0: Oh, that's nuts. And,
1: but, but, but what happens is I do get to control my response to it, how I react to it. I think our character is defined by our reactions to what happens in circumstances and obstacles.
0: Yeah. How did you make that choice? Like, how did you choose to not blame him? How did you or, you yeah. know, at least long-term, like what did that yeah, even look yeah.
1: like? Yeah, it was, well, I just see rainbows and butterflies and now I'm kidding. There is <laughs> like, there is, um, there is a process, you know, and for me, that hospital bed turned into a two-year process of mentally getting over that hurdle and making choices. But I think there's a couple of things that happened that helped me with that because I don't think any of us are self-made. Um, I think mm-hmm. there's there's people in your lives that are speaking into you, that are lifting you up when you need it, pulling you back when you need it. I call them human guardrails. Those human guardrails that are helping you on life's moments where you can easily fall off that cliff or you can easily fall off that, that hillside. Um, and so having people in my life like that, number one, it was really important. Um, mm-hmm. But also there's a wrestling match going on with a Bible verse that I've been given um, a week before my accident. A so crazy God moment happened, July third, two thousand four. My my accident was July tenth, July third, two thousand four. Um, I was wearing this Don Beebe House of Speed shirt. Don Beebe, for those that don't know, a, a former uh, NFL player, little white dude receiver that played inside slot receiver uh, for the Buffalo Bills when they lost those Super Bowls, and then for the Green Bay Packers, um, and he won a Super Bowl with them in nineteen ninety six, and. Um, had some some speed camps that I did not go to. Um in college, everyone made fun of me. I was a tight end, but everyone made fun of me because I wasn't very fast. Um, and I think like looking back, there probably grew like my accident probably saved me from having to play offensive line, um, uh, which would have been a, a huge hit to my comp. But,
0: um
1: it's it's but I remember even like the wide receiver coaches going they were yelling at their wide receivers in their meetings going like Joe is like Joe's getting open, but you guys are way faster. Somehow can't get open. And like, I don't know how, like, and I'm like, that's the back end of the compliment. easy. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know? And so my emotional bank account just going down and down and down. But, um, Yeah. So, so, so we're at a game that, that freshman football season, I forgot my shirt underneath my pads for anyone that, you know, has played football wants a shirt underneath their pads, not chafing or that whole deal. And so Mm -hmm. I'm asking around, like, Hey, I forgot them, blah, blah, blah. And, um, our kicker ends up giving me this house of speed shirt as a joke. And you know, anyone that plays football is like the kickers are they're not really even football players and like
0: yeah, you know,
1: I'm getting and so I'm like I'm keeping this shirt. If the kicker's making fun of me, fine. Um, uh, I'm gonna keep it. It's at house to speed on it. And I was wearing it a week before my accident, July 3rd, 2004. Um, I was at a basketball uh, camp helping out um as one of the one of the uh, coaches and stuff and and one of the coaches comes up and he says, Hey, what's on your shirt, man? And I was like, Oh, down, BB, I told him the story that I just told you. And, 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 you know, how's the speed? Ha ha, slow, whatever. And he goes, No, there's a Bible verse on it. What is that? And, and I go, I don't know what you're talking about. I, like, I had no idea that there was a Bible verse on this shirt. Um, I hadn't opened my Bible in probably three, four months. And on it was Proverbs three, five, and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Wow. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: a week later, my accident happens and I remember that verse and I told my, my parents and my sisters about it. And my sisters ended up putting this Bible verse on a, on like, you know, Pinterest looking like whatever <laughs> on, on my, on my hospital wall. <laughs> and, and I remember waking up each morning after I, like, I kind of, um, started to remember things again, uh, waking up and seeing that verse and a wrestling match of just being so mad and angry of looking at it and those words, trust in the Lord and those words, understanding, don't need any understanding. And at 19, I'm like, I want to know what's going on. Yeah. I want to understand why this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a hard time right now, God, trusting your plan when your plan has me in this hospital bed and I can't move. And I feel like my entire identity is gone. And I feel mm-hmm. like my entire purpose and why you made me is gone because like, God, like you knew like sports were my passion and I loved them from when I could pick up a baseball bat or a, any kind of ball from that age on. And like, why are you doing this?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember having that wrestling match and you talked about like what gets you through or what makes you start remembering that choice. And it it was slowly having that verse seep into my heart. And it wasn't until um, I got a phone call about a a month after my accident from our youth group pastor in Prairie and a 60 year old kid named Josh had gotten in an accident. And um, on the other side of the river in, in, in Iowa, he came home from the state fair, was driving a truck, he was 16 years old, driving a truck on a dirt road and gotten in an accident. Was thrown from the vehicle. He broke his neck and died on impact. Oh no! I remember hearing about that and looking at that verse and just the the feeling of I've got a second chance. Yeah. Like Josh is no longer with us, and and just an amazing kid as well. At sixteen, telling people about Jesus, and uh, oh. the, the day before his accident telling people like, Hey, if I die tomorrow, I know where I'm going to you. And like this whole thing at 16 years old, I'm just like, and I remember going like, God, like, why would you take, like, I'm, I'm out here just wanting to play football. And this dude is just on fire in his relationship with God. And, and just remember like him working on my heart going like, you've got a second chance. You've got a second chance. You've got a second chance. And looking at that verse each day, going trust in the Lord, trust the Lord. And much like you talked about like your husband still so they you can play D1 basketball or, or whatever you, I, I don't know what, what sport did you play?
0: Basketball. Yeah, it was basketball. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and and I remember, you know, in the hospital, thinking that mentality still, that invincibility of of, you know, I'm I'm a big rough tough football player. Like I'm big and strong, and um I can do this, I can do this, you know, we're gonna get through this, we're gonna get through this. But as the days turned into weeks and weeks started to turn into months, I remember having a, a, a night where I couldn't sleep and going, God, I don't think I can do this without you. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think there's times in our lives where we're, we, we say, okay, we got to quit the charade and surrender our hearts um, to be able to be molded and and conformed and, and pruned back at times in a way um, to where we can get back on the path that God had us intended for.
0: Yeah. It, and it sounds like what you went through is almost like a deconstruction of your identity and then a rebuilding with a solid yeah. foundation. Yeah. Because yeah. what in what you were saying earlier, how like um, you kind of had built-in affirmation with sports, right? With coaches and teammates and you always have a pat on the back whenever yeah. you are uh, with a team for the good or, you know, whenever something good happens or whenever something bad happens, you always have someone to encourage you, or you always have something, someone to celebrate with you. So whenever, so I guess the question is like, what did you do without it? Or how did you, where did you find your affirmation past that point? Or, you know, whenever you didn't have that team at that moment, and and we'll get into kind of what you're doing now and how you, or, or uh, the things you've accomplished since then, but yeah, yeah. in that moment, you didn't have it. What, how did that affect your identity? And the fact that you didn't have that affirmation all the time.
1: Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's definitely not a one-stop shop. Like, you know, Oh, I, I picked a day and that was, and I was good to go. It's kind of like yeah. this whole process, you know? And, and, and again, having people around me that were like, Hey dude, like, life's worth living still. And you've got stuff to live for and you can do things and, and building that relationship with God and, and, and figuring out that my identity isn't, isn't rested in just being an athlete. And again, like I was still very depressed about not being able to do the things I used to be able to do. Um, but also had this drive to like figure life out. My wife, um, who was my girlfriend at the time, one of the most important people in my life. And she was there through the really ugly parts, not only of the 89 days, but the years after that, trying to figure life out, trying to figure out how to get dressed in a chair, how to be independent with my everyday needs and, and, and really struggling, um, when I was growing to try to do that. And, um, so that was really important as well, but having these people in my life that were like, Hey, you, you've got this, you can do this we're here for you and that we're supportive of you and i remember there's a monumental time as well um and it was towards the end of my hospital stay but we were I had people come in my room every day whether it was my teammates from high school and coaches from high school and friends from high school or um the same in, in college people in my life in college and um some really cro- close friends that instead of going out on a friday saturday night they'd be calling my hotel room and or hotel hospital room and 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 talking with me and and um, just being in relationship with me, which was amazing for me because I'm a social, yeah. but I love people and I love to hang around people. And so it was, it was huge. Um, yeah. but towards the end of that stay, life continued to move on. I'm still in this hospital, bed. I'm still trying to figure out life. I'm still whatever. And they're going back to college. Like it was time. Mm-hmm. To, it was the fall and time to go back to college. And I remember it being kind of this punch in the gut going, life is continuing, with you, or without you, mm-hmm. like you need to continue to move on. Um, Even though you don't have like questions answered, even though you don't have everything understood about what's going on or why this is happening, like you've got to keep moving forward. And so like, it was an innate piece about it, even though there's a lot of ugliness, a lot of like work to do and, and struggling through some of the mental stuff, but um also like just something about it going like move forward, continue to move forward um in this Cause from hospital, I did, you know, every 19 year old kid's dream and moved back in with mom and dad at 19. <laughs> and, and now that I have kids, I'm like the, you know, from my parents' perspective, it's like, you know, not of course I did it out of love and, and and wanted to help out. But I'm, you know, I'm still, you know, getting out of the hospital room and and still trying to figure life out and figure out what that passion was besides sports. But I right. really knew um it didn't really matter, like my identity was who's I am, not who I am or what I do or what's going to happen. And so that was kind of like the work that was being done in my heart at that time.
0: And that all started with that Bible verse on that t-shirt that was just given to you as a joke. Yeah. Which yeah. is just so neat. It's so yeah. neat that that's kind of just how God works. Like he kind of just plants things in our own language or like in situations because that's such a teen kind of thing to do is like play a prank on someone. And then. Turns out God's going to use that to change your life. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, if you're enjoying Wild Confidence so far, I can't thank you enough for hanging out with us. And we have some bonus content for you. We have a Patreon that you can join if you head to patreon.com forward slash wild We have podcast bonuses. You get the episodes early, uh, free downloads, and some Enneagram extras that are just so much fun. And we have such a fun community over there. So I would love for you to join us there and support the podcast so we can stay wild at patreon.com forward slash wild So as you're working through this identity reconstruction or figuring out, you know, what this new Joe looks like, what are some like practical things that you did to pull yourself out of a low place of fear or of insecurity whenever those days were were tough?
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's, and you've heard me say it, but it's, really, really important to have people in your life that you can be real with. Yeah. That you can be accountable with and accountability doesn't happen unless there's vulnerability. Like those two are married Mm -hmm. together. Um, And so to be able to speak to people about, Hey, this is what I'm going through.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, This is where I'm struggling. Um, You know, and there was, there was, there was a dichotomy there too, though, because a lot of people were telling me, "Oh, you're inspiring," and we're so proud of you, and blah blah blah. And then when I, you know, I look at myself in the mirror, and I just a shell of myself. Go, I don't feel that, and I don't feel yeah. strong, and I don't feel inspiring. And I just, I want, I want to be normal. I want to know. I want to understand. And so wrestling with that, but really having people be able to um, pour into my life like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like I said, build me up when I need it, but pull me back when I need it and say, Hey, this isn't the the road you wanted to go down. And so my tight inner circle where it was huge. It was, it was so important for me to have that and to have people to lean on and to be with, even when, even, even when I didn't want to talk to people, just be there and, 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 and relax and hang out and watch a movie or play video game, like whatever it was um, to have people there for me that would be real with me and be honest with me. And that honesty with one of my best friends ended up leading to the next chapter in my life. Um and which which was really neat. But I don't know if we want to get into that right now. Um
0: yeah, I want to get into that. Yeah. What what is it?
1: Okay. So
0: <laughs> I'm just ready. Yeah, yeah. I'm like yeah yeah I'm
1: so listening so this whole time back I'm back home and I'm and I'm trying to figure out like what to do. I, I went and helped coach high school basketball and like and then I got frustrated and I'm like oh, I don't really know how to coach and I don't, and I can't move my legs. So I can't really show them the footwork. Yeah, so was, them. Yeah. Right. So it was frustrating. And then I'm, I'm trying to, there's people like, hey, let's, let's get you out. Let's, you know, whether it's playing cards or going to the movies or like people just like, let's, let's go do it. And that was huge too, because I think I would have like hermited myself a little bit too much. But,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and, but, uh, being back home, I still ate like a football player and I, and I ate a lot of my feelings. Um, and, and my buddy Kyle, he was the guy driving the boat. Mm-hmm. one day is like joe like you know in the nicest way possible he's like dude you're getting fat like you're you're getting to the point where you're not gonna be able to push around and just being real with me
0: yeah
1: and i was like nah man like you know, i was completely blind to it uh, i was like i'm not like i was around 240 maybe like i don't know whatever and i was, I was about 220 pounds leaving the hospital after i lost a lot of my muscle and um yeah. and weight from 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 being there and He's like, let's just weigh you. Let's just, you know. And he finally talked to me into getting weighed, and we went to the local hospital. Didn't have a wheelchair scale, but it had the bed where you zero it out and you lay on it and you do the whole thing. and And so I laid on it, and it said two hundred eighty five pounds. And I, I told the nurse, I was like, Hey, your bed's broken. Let's try a different one. I'm like this, this one doesn't work. Uh, and and so we got back on the wheelchair, and they zeroed it out again. Did it said the same thing? And I go, Kyle, I I, I understand what you're saying. I, I I get what you're saying, man. Um, I need to do something about this. And, yeah. and that was kind of like the genesis of me trying to find adaptive sports um, for the longest time. I remember people telling me about him in the hospital and after, and, and you know, there's all kinds of this Paralympics and you can do blah, blah, blah thing. And, and I'm like, I like deep down, I was like, I, I they're not going to quench my competitive fire that I had. And, you know, athletics was so important to me. And I don't want athletics to be like some stupid, like, here's a hug. And whatever um I, like, in trophy. yeah yeah like I, I my 19 year old 20 year old self was just going those things are lame yeah like the realness of it was I thought they were pathetic and I thought you're that you know you get a hug and and a pat on the head and someone's gonna rub your hair type of thing like I thought they're gonna be stupid <laughs> mm-hmm. um but I ended up looking up some sports online after Kyle and I had that talk and 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 this was when I went back to college as well Um, I, I'd made a decision, like, I don't want to be with my parents anymore. I need to make sure that I'm, um, you know, starting my life and, and, and doing things still. And April and I had, had gotten, um, engaged at a really young age of 20. Um, but we had just kind of matured and like this. Yeah. You kind of went through a
0: life altering event.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 So that was like the big thing. I was like, I want to be independent. I want to make sure I'm going to college so I can provide for her. I want to be able to, you know, do all the things a husband should be doing. And I don't want her to be my nurse. I want her to be my wife. And so I wanted to be independent mm. and like one of those things going back to school. But I remember going back to school, helping out the football team there, getting to be a part of it, but realizing like, this is a shell of who I used to be and I need to move on and just really felt a calling to move on. And um, so I was looking up sports, saw wheelchair basketball, which is like an amazing sport, Paralympic sport as well. Um, but I didn't have the function to play it based on my level of disability at a high level. And so I was like, ah, that's not going to work. And, wheelchair racing is a big one. Like I I feel like every single person that goes into the airport and sees two wheelchairs together, especially older people, like they do like the grandpa joke, like, Oh, slow down. You're going (laughs) to, you're going to start speeding. We'll give you a speeding ticket. And I'm like, that's the (laughs) lamest thing. Or, or they're like, Hey, you guys racing? Like, and you never, like, if you and your husband were walking hand in hand in an airport, no one would be like, Hey, you guys racing. That's not a thing that that, that people say, Um, but they see the wheelchair and I don't know if it's just, the only joke you can come up with but maybe I need to do a YouTube video I'm like hey here's some actual good jokes for you to say
0: right, right.
1: Uh, but but at any rate wheelchair racing was not my thing you'll never catch me running around for fun able-bodied or in a wheelchair it was like I do not want to push around in circles as an athletic adventure like no way some people are great runners good for them I'd rather eat asparagus the rest of my life than do that so yeah so so i I looked for the next the next video right and Mm -hmm. it was it was murder ball and i was like what's this murder ball thing wheelchair rugby used to be called murder ball they made a documentary about it in 2005 which was an amazing um film and and uh i clicked on it like had never heard of it total clickbait deal clicked on it and i saw these guys smashing into each other on a basketball court uh, with a goal at each end and I'm like this is the biggest oxymoron ever like if you watch this video crippled people are smashing into each other trying to make each other more crippled like there's no bigger oxymoron <laughs> than this at all right and so I'm like I need to play this sport this looks amazing <laughs> right and I just I, I need to in, also try
0: and cripple people I need to
1: also do this yes <laughs> sign me up for this bad boy um because it was it was such a like a breath of fresh air seeing this because everyone out, you know, in the hospital, don't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. You're not going to be able mm-hmm. to do this. You know. And then in life experiences, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And saw this video and going like, this is something I can do. And I I looked up the sport. Um, the closest to me was in the Twin Cities in Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota. At a place called Courage Center. And I went there. And April came with me. We were just going to watch. When we got there, the guys were like, Hey why don't you get in this spare chair we have? And I'm like, okay, you know, like I'm extroverted whatever. Like, let's do it. And, and April's kind of like, great. Like I've got to figure yeah. this Like At this point, I'm very, very disabled. Like I had all the accessories that, uh, and the guys like made fun of like, you don't need this and this and the wheelie bars and this whole thing. And the, like, I came with a sliding board and baby powder that you like shake on the sliding board. So your cheeks slide a lot faster and the whole thing. <laughs> so like 45 minutes later, we're finally in this chair. And that you put straps on your feet and on your knees and on your waist and on your chest, like gloves, sleeve, the whole thing. Um, So I'm finally ready to go. And you you strap into the chair because you want to be one with the chair and and you don't want your body moving around. And then also like you can hit someone so hard that they fall. um, They tip over in their chair and you don't want them like spilling out with their body everywhere, like a big old yard sale. Um, And so, so you're strapped in there, right? And Uh 30 minutes into practice. You know, and and I was uh, that practice, if I could go back and see that practice, like it was awful. Uh, The balls are flying everywhere and I'm very, very slow, but 30 minutes in, my body temperature is getting warm. Um, My lungs are filling with air. I'm playing around with people that are similarly injured with me and just remembered like, wow, like I get a piece of my athletic identity back. Mm. Like I get to be an athlete again. Not a very good one at that point. Um, but it was so special and one of the most special moments of my journey in the sport was that first practice going, there's possibilities here. And then being around a, a people that had gone through things. A lot of these guys are coming in, getting in themselves in and out of their cars. And it's not like this big, huge wow. accessible handicap van. It's you know, in and out of whatever SUV or uh, uh, cross like whatever they're driving is normal. And, and they normalized my disability for me that night and through the mm. next couple of years, um, cause I'd never really been around people with disabilities and I, and I didn't want to, um, and I didn't want to be around adaptive sports. But that night completely changed my outlook cause I got to be with a community of people that had gone through similar things that I had gone through. And I started learning from them. And I started understanding that life could be a lot different than what I was making it. And, and it just gave me something back uh, in Psalms, it talks about delighting yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. And that was me that day, like getting my my um, identity rooted in in whose I am, and then getting those deli- the the desires of my heart back. Like if we have our um, ducks in a row, if we have our priorities straight, like God knows you and who you are, and your passions and your purpose. Mm-hmm and everything that he has for your life. Um, but we need to delight ourselves in him. We need to step into relationship with him. And, and so that, that practice was a, was a pretty cool moment for us.
0: That's incredible. It's incredible the perspective shift that you got in that one moment. And how you, I understand the kind of thought of, I, I don't want to be around people um, with disabilities because I want to be quote unquote normal. And then getting to see that that piece of normalcy that you are kind of thinking is still possible, and still yeah. you still have that that team aspect that you were um, so passionate about and loved so much. Yeah. So I love that you were able to kind of get that and see that perspective. So I'm thinking like of someone who might be struggling right now, and everything that you have talked about isn't even just relatable to a physical, uh, change or impact. Like, I mean, we are talking yeah. about divorce and, um, depression and any kind of trauma can lead to this uh, need for a perspective shift, a reintroduction to the Lord, um, an identity change or whatever, anything like that can impact your life to where, you need encouragement and you need yeah. someone to guide you. And I think that what the truths that you've talked about with being, uh, discovering who's you are instead of focusing on just who you are and what the, uh, world kind of told you that your identity was or should be. What would you say to someone who is struggling right now in this lost place of their identity and trying to understand who's they are?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, for those that are in this valley right now, like there's, first of all, processing it that you are in a valley. I think a lot of times we 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 put this false sense of, um, well, we need, we needed to just show that we could we're overcomers. We need to show that we're on top of the mountain and we're on the peak yeah. and we're doing just fine and we're we're all good and everything's fine and everything's fine and everything's fine. until it's not. So you go home and, and and you look in the mirror and you, and you realize and like, I feel broken, I feel empty, everything that uh, I've been uh, finding my value and worth in is gone right now, and I just don't know where to go from here, because that's that's the reality of it. A lot of times with our identity problems, we have this identity crisis where where what we found to be people pouring in uh, and making us feel valuable, making us feel worthy, and making us feel uh, like we're enough. Uh, gets gets ripped away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we're left going like, how do we seek this out? How do we find this for ourselves?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and and I think it's, it's realizing that in this valley is where God's going to stir something up in your heart. In this valley, you might find a miracle in this messiness of life right now. Um, it's going to, it's happening. And I, I hate it when people say like, Everything happens for a reason. and God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Yeah, yeah. Actually, sometimes He does. Like sometimes life happens.
0: Mm-hmm. And it
1: is hard, but when we get out of it, when we get out of this valley, it's making this choice to take a step. Just one step, not a leap. You're not jumping off a cliff. You're not. You're not. You're not um, walking blindly through a door that uh, leads to this downward spiral. It's just one step. Mm-hmm. And giving yourself um, a chance to go, you know what I'm gonna make a choice to realize that this valley isn't my um, defining moment. My reaction to it is. And so when you're in this messiness, um, usually there's something to learn in this failure mm-hmm. of a moment, whether it, whether it's failed on your own accord or failed in, in, in something that you couldn't control um, that failure or or that 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 the moment doesn't define you, your next steps. Do your next reactions? Do your next choices? Do define you? Absolutely. Let's stop playing the blame game. Let's stop playing the victim card, and let's start realizing that we have a choice to choose victory each and every day. And it starts with a step. Mm-hmm. If we go back to my uh, example, to my story, my choice mm-hmm. was to get out of bed and get in the wheelchair. And even before that, let's like micro micro like my choice was to start to figure out how to put a sock on. Mm-hmm. Figure out how to put two socks, maybe a shorts, maybe a shirt. Figuring out how to wheel my chair around. Figuring out how to go around the block.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, stepping from there. Figuring out how to be in a relationship with my my girlfriend at the time and my, my wife now. Like, figuring out all that stuff. And then figuring out how to uh, go back to school. Like, And they start to become bigger, but it starts with just a small step. So make that step. Yeah, you know, it's it's a simple goal. I mean, you can... Research goals and goal setting. It's simple goal setting um, mechanics where you you just start with a small step. You have a big lofty goal, but you start with a small step and it starts to build momentum and you start to feel good about yourself and you start to realize like, that valley is a little bit further away. You know, Mm -hmm. you might have a bad day and all of a sudden you get to pause and reflect. You get to pause and look back and have perspective on where you've came. Right? I'm no longer in that valley anymore, but I've learned a lot from it. A lot of times we win or we learn. A lot of times when mm. we win and we feel good about ourselves and we're on that mountain peak, we don't even think about a lot of these things about, you know, like how often are we like, I think each and every one of us could, could, could write a giant list today of how blessed we are. Yeah. Uh, you know, of how many things we have, whether materialistic or whether like uh, financial or, or mental or physical or whatever it is, how many blessings we have today. But we're on a mountain peak, so we're not thinking about it. But in the valley, man, we think about it. Mm-hmm. And I think when we're in there, um, there's, a, there's a song that I love, that, that, and, and a line that goes, when all hope is lost and your word is all I've got, you still have to remember that uh, he brings water from the rock. They're like, they're, It's so important in those moments to really grab onto and go, yes. Yes, God. Yes, yes, yes. You have a plan. Yes, trust the Lord. Yes. Okay, I'm not going to understand it right now but I'm going to lean into you Mm because I don't have any other choice at that dark, dark Valley of a moment.
0: Mm -hmm. You've said like 15 different things that I wrote down, but (laughs) (laughs) but I think one of the things that you said earlier was kind of about finding a miracle in the messiness. And I think that you're exactly right. The word that you've said over and over is choice. And that is, I mean, some people are great at goal setting. Some people are not great at goal setting, but regardless if you have a goal or not, you have a choice yeah. and you can make it, you know, one choice at a time will get you to your goal if you're a goal setter or just your, whatever you're looking for. That is that choice. I mean, for someone who might be battling a depression or like mental health or something, that choice is to, get out of bed, take one, you know, put one foot on the floor or, um, I mean, even just make a meal for yourself. Like all of these things are just choices and those choices. And this is something else that you said, you either win or learn. I've never heard that before. And that literally like just stopped me. I was like, wait, that is so good. You either win or learn. Because whenever you're working on self-improvement, you're working on making those choices for yourself. There's never a loss. You're always learning something.
1: Absolutely.
0: I love that. So whenever you, okay, tell me about a little bit more about wheelchair rugby, and then we'll kind of wrap it up because I was looking at, I was looking at what wheelchair rugby is. It's insane.
1: It, it, it's I was a little thinking,
0: bit weird. like rugby is intense yeah wheelchair rugby is also just as intense it and is. tell us about your journey like you I mean you've gone to the Paralympics like tell us about all those things it's incredible
1: yeah yeah so like from from that first practice where I went with these guys and none of them were good good at rugby um, they, they changed my life and they know that are like, it's, they, you know, it's basically like playing like beer league softball type of thing. Like no, no one was really good or anything like, yeah. but they, they 1000% changed my life. Um, by providing the opportunity to play and stuff. And I realized it was a, a pretty, uh, cool sport. It was elite. Like you play at the Paralympics and play for your country and that whole thing. And so started to set some goals there and, 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 um, you know, without going into the whole thing ended up, I was cut a couple times. And again, made choices during that, during those failures to go like, I need to get better. I No matter if I think the coaches are right or wrong, I need mm-hmm. to get better uh as an athlete and stay ready and to be able to look at other people to provide our value and worth. Mm-hmm. Even like in, even like in marriage too, sometimes like we're like, oh, I'm almost like, you know, when I take that garbage out, mama, you better put a pat on my back here on the end because, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm, else's men are stupid like that. Like you probably, and, 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 and we're just like, Hey, you know, can you tell me a good job after, you know, I balanced the checking book, uh, you know, <laughs> and, uh,
0: nothing has ever been more true.
1: It's it's yeah, it is, it is what it is. does. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, yeah. So, but really learning from these coaches, because I was like, man, whatever they say is gold, it's truth. It's cause I I want to make the team. And so I, you know, right. value worth, value worth the whole thing. And wheelchair rugby um, is is this made-up sport that people that couldn't play wheelchair basketball did. They made it up in 1977 because these these quad quadriplegics were on the sidelines, not getting to play. And so they're like, let's find our own sports, which is really, really neat. It's the innovation of it is, is really cool. Yeah, it's played it's on cool. a basketball court. It's four on four, full speed. We can hit each other as hard as we want to in our chairs um, that are made specifically for us and designed. Um, with our specific measurements for the chairs, but, um, and, and yeah, Paralympic sports played in 40 different countries and we have 40 to 45 teams in our domestic league in the the United States. And it's been an amazing thing. Um, But I want to share one more failure with you. I I made the team in 2012. It was an amazing thing. London going there. I've been on the team national team for 13 straight years and a captain for eight. And so had a lot of success with it. Right. Um, And I don't want to like leave that out because it's, it's glorifying to where God has brought me. Um, And but in 2016, I had another tragic moment happen where I didn't make the Rio squad. I was a captain thir- uh, 13, 14, 15, um, and we had lost the uh, semifinal game to go to the gold medal game in 2012. So we ended up with the bronze medal. Um, and that entire quad is what we call the four years in between Paralympics is, is the the um, fixation of gold. I needed gold to validate myself as a mm. leader, as an athlete, as a my career. I, I it dove into, I need to validate this. I'm a good husband if I get gold. I'm a good father if I get gold. Uh, at that point, we had had um, all three of our kids at that point, so we have three kids and diapers and the whole thing, And 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 that's where I sought out my validation and my worth. And when they said, you're not going again, it was like round two of my identity being ripped away. Mm. And I just saw that failure as the world telling me I'm less than and I'm not valuable and I'm unworthy and I don't deserve yada, 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 because I was so fixated on an outcome and it sounds silly but a lot of times in life we look at the scoreboard to, and and we let that define whether or not we're a winner or a loser whether or not we have a victory or we're a victim yeah and it couldn't be far from the truth and i love sports and i love to win uh i want that scoreboard to say i'm a winner right but yeah a lot of times it's it's just so false on where we're finding our value and where we're finding our worth. My 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 wife never wanted me to win a gold medal to love her or to think that, that I'm gonna love her better. My kids don't wake up and go, "Oh, dad needs to win a gold medal," otherwise he's a pretty crappy dad. Like it's not a thing. Yeah. A lot of times we get wrapped up in it, um, and 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 forget where ultimately we find that value in our worth. And 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 for me, that's in my relationship with Jesus. And then who am I inside my own four walls?
0: Mm-hmm. What do I
1: do for those relationships? Am I a man that is uh, devoted to his wife that is devoted to continuing to grow our relationship and, and make it better day by day, 14 years in, am I still dedicated to being able to invest in this relationship mm-hmm. um, with my kids? Am I there? Am I present? And, and am I loving them? Cause that's what they need mm-hmm. more than anything. That's what they need for their dad to be present and their dad to love them, and their dad to show them um, different ways in life to be able to um, bring that Proverbs 3 all the way back. Like, guys, things are going to happen, but you can trust in him. Yeah. And you're not going to understand it, but you can understand that he knows um, the ways in your past and your future. Um, So I ended up being pretty devastated about that. And I had an amazing mentor. I was working in a private practice at the time as a counselor. I'd ended up getting my master's degree at at Grand Canyon University, and was working in private practice for a guy named Dr. Michael. He was a sports guy as well. Worked for the Diamondbacks for uh, 15 years, and 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 just uh, and I love the guy. And we're having a one-on-one, and 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 I'm like, man, I just feel so devastated, and it's not fair. There's some things that went down that probably made it like I should have been on the team, but I wasn't. And that was the cold, hard truth. And, and I'm like, God, Dr. Michael, I feel so broken. And he looked at me and he goes, he started Sunday school preaching to me, which really, mm. like, really ticks me off. <laughs> he's like, he's like, well, you know, like, Joe, like, what's God say about this? What's, what's Jesus say about you? And, and I wanted to reach over and punch him in the face because I was like, yeah. this, at this point, like, I don't need this, like, spoon fed, like, Sunday school Christianity. But... I go, yeah. well, God says that I'm a child of, uh, of his. And he goes, yeah, that's right. You're, you're a child of God. Um, th- does he care if you win a gold medal? And I'm like, well, he should, because like, that's like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and, and, uh, and I go, no, no, he doesn't. Um, and he goes, what do you do free on the cross? And, you know, I just had this very like elementary conversation But it was a guy, again, a guy in my life that said, Joe, let me pull you back here for a second. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like your purpose to do things that are far above a gold medal or winning a game in wheelchair rugby. Like you're a child of God and he has a plan and a purpose for you. And you're not going to let this moment end up defining you as a loser or less than or not valuable or unworthy. And I know people listening have gone through that. Every single one of us goes through this where we feel worthless, where we feel less than because of some circumstances or obstacles we're going through. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And guys, I'm here to say today, like you're not. You're not. You might be in a valley. You might have some work to do to get out of it, but you are not. God has a plan and a purpose for each and every single one of us. And that learning moment in 2016 completely changed my perspective. I just found out a couple of weeks ago at the time of this recording, um, that I'm back. I'm a captain of team uh, Team USA going to Tokyo for the Paralympics, which was amazing and a great resilience. And, but the, the, what I learned and I was remembering like right before I went in and we had the selection, um, for the team. And I remember in my room kind of crying a little bit and thinking through uh, in 2016, my value and my worth were tied to whether it was a yes or a no. Mm. In
0: 2021,
1: I realized like they could tell me that I have three years on my head and I didn't care. Um, Not that I don't care about my coaches and I respect them and love them, but, but I knew that this yes or no wasn't going to dictate my identity or my sense of value or worth
0: because the affirmation has been founded in the lord instead of humans yeah,
1: yeah yeah and it was this whole journey almost 17 years now of realizing like that's my purpose isn't in being an athlete my purpose isn't in whether or not i'm a uh, Paralympian or not, whether or not I have a gold medal. Now we're going to go to Tokyo and win gold because I want to win.
0: Yes. Uh, 1,
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to win it. I, I like my wife won't even play Scrabble with me anymore because I'm too competitive, but like, I, like there's, there like, uh, we're going to win, but, but there's, there's a piece in understanding that I wheelchair rugby is one, uh, one of the biggest passions I've had in life and being an athlete is a huge passion of mine, mm-hmm. but it's been a, it's been a classroom of me, um, for me to learn through failures and through, through wins and through the ups and downs. Um, and it's been a learning lesson for me to pour into what I feel like is my purpose. And that's speaking, um, and, and sharing my message with as many people that will listen as possible. Cause yeah. here's the deal. Like whether it's a podcast or whether it's a, um, a speaking engagement, I never really know who grows from it, but I'm I'm planting seeds and I'm obeying and I'm taking steps of obedience um, because a lot of people look at the impact meter and let that determine whether or not they're gonna continue on with whatever they're doing. But I'm like, guys, stay faithful to what God's called you to do even when you can't see the outcome, even when you can't see the impact meter going bananas um, Mm -hmm. for you or whatever it is, whatever, whatever those numbers are, sometimes they're not there and sometimes we have dry seasons and sometimes we don't understand it. And we just need to trust and have discipline and faithfulness in stepping into obedience each and every day into what God's called us to, no matter what the impact is. Yeah,
0: And you can still fulfill that purpose within your passion. They don't have to live separate. Yeah, yeah. Um, but without the Lord, it's gonna be useless and disappointing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause you're gonna feel lost and yeah, my gosh. I cannot wait to keep up with Tokyo yes. and how everything and the gold that you're gonna win. And we'll we're gonna be praying for gold in Tokyo for sure.
1: Can I can I can I put a bow on this bad boy? Yeah. Can I can I blow your mind with how how amazing God is?
0: Yeah, I'm ready.
1: Okay. All right. So this God gave me this a, a couple of months ago. Um, and it's been a theme throughout my life that I didn't even know was there, but it's all based on this Bible verse. Again, to, to trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your understanding, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. God mm-hmm. has a plan and purpose for all of us. Um, at 13 years old, God gave me a theme of threes throughout this entire journey at 13 years old it was the first three in there uh I was at a district youth conference and God laid in my heart that I was going to be a speaker someday and I'm just this 13 year old dude in middle school I'm going like like I'm at this district youth conference like ha- chasing middle school relations like the whole thing yeah. like I just wanted to like hang out you know and um and I remember just like, oh, like this dude on stage is really cool. He's wearing this like Astros jersey. It was back when the Astros were super popular. And yeah. Was like, this guy's awesome. He's really funny. <laughs> I don't even remember his name. But I knew like, I want to be like this guy. Um, and, and didn't even think of it. And I was like, I don't have a story to tell. Like blah, blah, blah. Like there's nothing. And in six years later, I break my neck. Um, July 3rd was that second three. And the third three where where uh, July 3rd, God gave me that, that verse for my life the Proverbs three verse, um, to trust the Lord. Like there's some stuff that's going to happen, Joe, that you're not going to understand, but like, I got a plan for you. I I, got the the whole thing. Um, in the hospital room, I remember, you know, I want to, I want to be an athlete. I want to have kids. What's going to happen with this whole thing. Right. And ended up getting married to April and, um, we weren't sure if we we're going to be able to have kids. We tried for five years and, and we have three babies, three beautiful kids that are healthy as can be um, that provide an amazing life for us. And, yeah, uh, and it's obviously it's hard at times, but three kids. Um, I thought my athletic career was gone. And, and, and I thought like the, the ultimate thing was division two football, r- r- riding a bus around, uh, the Midwest. God guys, I got a plan for you, man. You're going to be playing this is my, my training for my third Paralympics. I've made two of them, but the training for my third Paralympics. And I thought that the college football thing was there. And he says, I got three letters for you, USA across your chest. Um, I love
0: it. Yeah. Oh, that is and so cool. the
1: final one was when I finally, and, and God's, he's <laughs> laid it on my heart for a long, long time, but I finally said yes to being a speaker um, and really stepping into what I feel like is my purpose in life at 33 Mm -hmm. years old. Um,
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And all these threes throughout my life connected the dots of this crazy path that God's had me on. And I don't know where the next threes are going to be or if there are any, but it's just a beautiful thing, a 30,000 foot view to kind of see where he's taken me. And the beautiful aspect of it is that there's a plan all along. And Mm -hmm. a lot of us don't understand. We don't understand why we're going through this valley right now, but God does. We don't understand why we have this disease right now, but God, like, we don't have a, we don't understand why we're dealing with these mental health issues that are so Mm -hmm. real and prevalent, but, but God's got a plan for us. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And if, 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 if anyone can listen and understand that we can trust him and we can't fathom it with our little minds, we can't fathom it, but he's got a plan. Yeah. For me, it was started with just looking at that wheelchair right next to me. I was praying and begging for a toe to move or a leg to move. Uh, My miracle was sitting right there, Mm -hmm. and it was a wheelchair. That was my miracle. Get in the wheelchair, and you're going to find you're going to marry April. Get in the wheelchair. You're going to have three kids. Get in the wheelchair. You're going to go back to school. And get an undergrad and a master's, get in the wheelchair, and you're going to play a sport that's going to take you all across the world, all across the country, playing this made-up sport. Get in the yeah. wheelchair, and I've got plans for you to speak and share your message, share your story for my glory. And yeah. I feel like that's what God was saying to me in that hospital room with that verse, Proverbs 3, i pinned on the wall. And over.
0: those threes are pillars of faith for you. That yeah. you can look back on and say, no, I've seen the Lord. This is the proof of my faith because they, the number three has been that reminder or yeah. that God wink or that kind of comfort that he, that your faith yeah. is unwavering because he has given you these things that you can look to and remind yourself anytime you might be struggling or yeah in a season of doubt or something, you can look back on that number three or those three letters or those three kids and think, no, these are the promises that he has given me. These are fulfillment of the desires of my heart that he said that he would give me. And that is just the coolest thing. I love it. I love the threes. So um, how can we pray for you outside of gold and Tokyo and all of those things? How can we specifically be praying for you?
1: Yeah. Um, just praying for kind of what I said at the end, I think we can all get stuck on like the impact meter, like Mm -hmm. seeing the, you know, and so for me, it's, it's, um, as my wife, my wife works with me, um, in the speaking business and, and just stepping in obedience, even when there's a dry season, even when I haven't booked anything for a month, whatever, like whatever it is, just praying that I remain obedient to that calling and that purpose. And I just truly believe that's what God has for me. And, and for us as as a as a family and um yes, yeah, so that's the that's the biggest thing for sure.
0: You got it. We can do that. And then where can we keep up with you online and hang out with you and just learn all the things?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh on active on Instagram at J 14, uh, LinkedIn, Joe Delegrave, Facebook, that old deal at my website, joe Um, if for all you angry people uh, or coaches, you can go over to Twitter with um, angry people coaches <laughs> hang out uh, at Joe delagrave as well. So uh, yeah, come check it out and, and, and love um, all the support, not only heading to Tokyo, but beyond.
0: Oh, absolutely. I can't wait to just keep up with your story and keep up with your family and how the Lord is going to continue to use you. And I'm so thankful that your mom's question to the doctor's was a yes and an an okay and that she got her grandbabies. Yep.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Joe. I I just can't wait for everyone to hear your story. And um, I'm just, I'm already, I'm inspired by you, but don't let it go to your head. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, absolutely not. Absolutely. No, my, wa- my wife keeps me in check. She's like, listen, dude, I'm going to take a wheel off your chair and throw it away if you don't
0: like, mess around. Cool your yeah. jets.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Ainsley, thank you so much for having me on Wild Confidence and just really appreciate what you're doing in this space. Thank you.
0: Hey, thanks so much for hanging out today. I pray that you're able to see yourself how the Lord sees you so you can hold your head a little higher and shine your confidence a little brighter. I would so appreciate if you would leave a review, subscribe, and share this with a friend. And of course, I want to stay connected with you. Find me on Instagram at B, and my website is AinsleyBritain.com. See y'all later.